You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. This is a special episode. This is a very personal episode. I wanted to talk to you guys about my experience becoming a mom. I am a mom now. It feels so surreal to say that. But my son is here, Mavi Leo Ozidenly. He was born September 9th, 2020. He is five weeks old, and I could not be more obsessed in love and just filled with joy over having him here after so many months of anticipation and wondering what it's going to be like when he's here. And to be fair, this is a beauty podcast and Mavi is just so breathtakingly beautiful. So this is still within the theme of naked beauty. Everyone thinks their baby is beautiful, but he really is just so gorgeous. We stare at him pretty much all day, every day. My camera roll is filled with pictures of Mavi. And I mean, it's something that I would say, not just the parents think he's beautiful. Strangers on the street compliment him. A lot of people think he's a girl. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because he's got a lot of hair or maybe it's just because he's a pretty boy. And I've shared with you guys my pregnancy journey, so I thought it was only fair to give you guys an update on what it's been like being a new parent. Now, before we get into all of the joys of motherhood and my labor and delivery experience, my husband's actually going to join me to talk about that. I want to share what it's been like since I've given birth, because as you guys can remember, I had gestational diabetes, then I was diagnosed with four months left to go in my pregnancy. And it meant that I was not able to have any carbs, like no bread, no fruit, no sugar, like forget about cupcakes and cakes and anything like that, like no sugar, no carbs, so strict. I was basically eating proteins and cheese. I was able to have dairy, vegetables. My diet was so strict. I couldn't even have a cracker. I, if I ordered a salad at a restaurant, I had to make sure the dressing didn't have any sugar in it. Forget about croutons. Like gestational diabetes is just very hard. So the thing was like, oh, it's this blessing in disguise. By the time you give birth, it'll be great because you won't crave that stuff anymore. I'm here to say that is just not true at all. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. It's not true because 
although your tolerance for sugar goes down, it's not like your brain forgets the joy of having a warm baguette with butter. Like you don't just forget how good these foods are. So now it's been five weeks since I've delivered and I am back on the carb and sugar bandwagon, probably not as bad as before, but I am definitely enjoying. I've been getting almond croissants. Oh, so good from this French bakery in our neighborhood. I'll take Mavi in the stroller or I'll just wear him and we walk and I get myself an almond croissant. And actually, I felt really bad. (laughs) One time I looked down at him after I was like eating my almond croissant in the park, like, oh, this really nice mother son moment. And I looked down at him and I saw there was all of this powdered sugar on his head because I was wearing him in the baby carrier. (laughs) And I was eating my almond croissant and all of the powdered sugar kind of just like dusted his cute little head. And I was like, okay, Brooke, like get it together. But I'm enjoying carbs and sugar again, which is wonderful. So that's that on gestational diabetes. Now let's get into the important stuff, the juicier stuff, the meatier stuff. What has it been like to be a parent? And what was my labor and delivery experience like? I'll give a little bit of background before I have my husband come and join me. But I was 39 weeks and I was very ready to give birth. Once you get towards the end, you start to basically just think any moment, like my water is going to break every single like small thing you feel in your stomach. You're like, is that a contraction? Is it happening? You go to bed every night being like, is this the night? And then you wake up every morning and you're like, nope, still hasn't happened. And you get a little bit antsy and anxious and you're just like so eager for it to happen and for you to meet your child that you've been growing inside of you for nine months. So I think around my week 39 appointment, And I was a high-risk pregnancy because of my gestational diabetes, and I had a lot of amniotic fluid. I think it was like I was 39 weeks exactly. And they said, everything looks good, but you know, the next time you go to your OBGYN, you can talk to them about inducing your labor. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I had an appointment with my OBGYN like three days later. So at 39 weeks and three days or four days, I'm at my OBGYN's office, and they said, yep, everything looks great but we should probably get you induced. We should probably have you go into labor. And I was like, "Um, really? Wow. I remember I looked at my husband like so excited and I was like, when? And they were like, well, you could go in tonight or tomorrow. And I was like, tonight? Wow, this is amazing. And my husband was like, let's just have a second to talk about this before we make any decisions. So she leaves the room. And like the second she leaves the room, I was like, we're going tonight. And my husband was like, let's just like take a beat, go home, shower. We'll go to a nice dinner. We'll wake up in the morning. We'll have a nice breakfast. Then we'll just leisurely make our way to the hospital. And I was like, there's nothing like leisurely about how I'm feeling right now. Like I am so ready to do this. I can't wait until tomorrow. Like, please, like we have to go tonight. And he was like, okay. So we decided to compromise and we said, we will go tonight, but let's give ourselves the opportunity to have like a nice dinner together. So we made a reservation at one of our favorite neighborhood steakhouses. It's like a fancy schmancy place. It's like, it's actually like quite sceny. So it's like very funny to be there. I was there extremely pregnant. Everyone else is like prancing around the restaurant in like the highest heels and the tightest dresses. It's Catch Steakhouse. If you guys are in New York, you know the vibe of this place. It's like a scene. I waddle in very pregnant and we're just sitting there eating this meal like, oh my God, this is it. Like this is our last meal together before we meet our son. It's all happening. Can you believe it? Can you believe that this time tomorrow, 
we'll have our baby with us. So we had this very kind of like surreal meal. We were very excited. We had our bags packed. We went to the hospital. We checked into the hospital at about 1130 at night. And from there, it was a long, long wait. Like, it's not I, It's not like I checked in and then they were like, okay, like, we're going to get you delivered. Like, I checked in. I went to triage. I was so happy that I brought books with me. All of the women that were waiting were like on their phones for like two hours. I can't look at a phone screen that long. I had like a nice book with me, which was like a great distraction. So... So I had my little book, we were in the triage room, and then I get moved into the room where I'm going to deliver, the labor and delivery room, which is different from the room that you go into after the baby's born. So once I'm in the hospital bed and I'm all settled, I brought my own hospital gown, which you can totally do. The one that I brought was from Frida, and it was just like a stretch kind of like jersey t-shirt material with pockets and everything that a hospital gown has. It opens in the back. but I was actually quite happy that I brought my own. And I was at Lenox Hill Hospital. I remember they were like saying, oh, which different rooms you could have after you give birth. And they were like, oh, there's the Beyonce room, which was like wildly, wildly expensive. I want to say it's like $2,000 a night for a hospital room. Um, but it's like this huge suite. It's And they call it the Beyonce room because it's the room that Beyonce used after she gave birth to her baby. Blue Ivy. So anyway, so I'm in my hospital bed and they say, okay, to induce labor, we're going to give you this pill. This is a pill that you basically put in your vagina and it starts contractions within four to 12 hours. And this was already late when they put it in. It was like past midnight. So I'm not thinking, okay, it's going to happen in the middle of the night. I'm thinking, okay, this is like more of a tomorrow morning kind of thing. And they give me the pill to start inducing labor. And having labor-induced versus naturally going into labor. It's just the differences. When you naturally go into labor, your body starts doing contractions, your water breaks, you go into the hospital, it's happening. Versus going to the hospital to have it induced, they usually give you a hormone or they physically induce labor with something called a Foley balloon to get everything going. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, Umu, you have perfect timing. We were just talking about when we decided that I was going to go into the hospital and get induced. Hello, hello. This is Brooke's husband. Yes. <laughs> no, we've already been introduced, babe. Okay. That day in the doctor's office when they were like, you can go tonight or tomorrow. I was not expecting. I was hoping it's going to be the following week. I was hoping that she would 
Pick the following day, not the same day. I was not ready mentally, professionally. <laughs> so I had few deadlines and obviously Brooke is very pregnant. And she looked at me with the puppy eyes and said, I think we should do it tonight. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, like we don't want to have a nice sleep and wake up and go in the morning. Sleep? What is that? Yeah. I don't sleep. Exactly. So we go tonight. It's just like... Okay, we are doing this. Exactly, exactly. So I talked about, so we get to the hospital, it was a long wait. And then they gave me a pill, it's called Cytotec, and they put it in your vagina and it's meant to induce labor. By the next morning, my labor still hadn't started. And they said, well, we give you a really small dosage last night. We're going to give you a higher dosage to get the contractions started. And contractions are these painful little surges, painful little... (laughs) They feel like cramps you would get on your period. And that's basically how you know labor is beginning because they'll happen close to each other and they'll increase in intensity. So I started getting contractions around 1 p.m. And I was in a lot of pain. Do you remember the pain I was in? Yes. I'm sure you guys talked about hypnobirthing, but we had this hypnobirthing thing. So we are basically ready for any type of painkillers but also you know uh trying to breathe through it exactly yeah the whole philosophy of hypnobirthing is it's medication-free birth a natural birth so you don't do an epidural you breathe through the pain you use self-hypnosis and you try to distract your mind and go to a different place and by the time labor really started going it was like (laughs) we threw all the hypnobirthing literature and practice out of the window it's good guiding principles but we are not (laughs) living in like you know before christ 200 whatever so i think whatever the technology allows you guys to do you should it seemed like it it helped a ton it did help a lot it did help a lot so i i got to four centimeters dilated and i was like Let's call in the anesthesiologist ASAP and get this hip, get this epidural in. And as a husband, there is very little you can do other than holding there like your wife's hand and like, oh shit, there's nothing I can do. You and, were doing calming like back rubs and like you were, yeah, but doing like the guided you, meditation like, exactly. But as you you know that like very little it does. Uh, hopefully, it did more mentally, but like you know. After anesthesiologist came and did the drugs, whatever, she was much more calm and it was like much more like, you know, easy, right? So I was just like, oh, great. Like, you know, shall I have one? <laughs> yeah. Was I crying? What was I like when the, when the contractions were happening? I think you never reached the crying in the first, it, you, st- you started the surges. You see what I said? Surges, not oh, yeah. cramps. Or, well, contractions. Contractions. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it was bad, but I don't think you were like crying face, but you were in the limits. Like, you yeah. Know, so like, you know. Yeah. I, I could really, really feel like how painful they were. And by the way, if you do choose to do a natural birth, like go for it. I think it's amazing. Like I have so much respect for women that give birth naturally. It is just incredible. Okay. So we're just jumping into the labor part, but I think I just want to go back for a second. This was my first time in a hospital. 
other than being born. This is my first time having an IV injected into my veins. This is my first time having a catheter. Catheters are insane. Like I was, it was so strange to have this thing. Basically a catheter makes it so you can urinate without going to like physically going up to the bathroom. It's like this tube and your urine is basically in the sack and you're peeing, but you don't feel that you're peeing. It's just like really trippy and weird. But the whole thing was like very like medical. You have nurses, you have doctors coming in all, all the time. You have people checking you. You're like hooked up to all these monitors that are beeping at all times. It's monitoring your heart rate, the baby's heart rate. There's a lot happening. It's certainly something that I feel really grateful to the staff at Lenox Hill. Like they were incredible. They were phenomenal. Like, like amazing. Amazing. Everyone individually at Lenox Hill, we all won. They were so attentive, so genuinely interested to make sure they explain us what's happening mm-hmm. and make sure we are comfortable. And they were so professional, like the slightest look on your face, mm-hmm. they get it. And before you say anything, they basically offer the solution. So it was phenomenal. Yes. Oh, I almost forgot. I had to do a COVID test, which was so painful and awful. And COVID tests just aren't fun, but it was negative, obviously. Um, I shouldn't say obviously, but thankfully it was negative. Okay. So anyway, it starts to become go time at a certain point, like the contractions. I've had my epidural. And by the way, once I had my epidural, I was like, it's not enough. Like I can still feel it. It's so painful. And they were like, um, sis, like you're going to feel some something like you're not numb from the waist down. Like you have to be able to feel something so you can push. So it was still pretty intense, even with the epidural. But it was clearly like go time. And so you have all of these people like coaching you to like push and push and push. And I was in what they call active labor. So when you're pushing for about an hour, but that hour felt like an eternity to me. Did it feel long to you? Yeah, but probably shorter than how it felt for you. Yes. And also this is interesting because there's perspective, right? So I'm like pushing, pushing, pushing really hard and you can actually see the baby's head, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can see the hair, uh, yeah. tip of the head. Yeah, he had a lot of hair when he was born. and He still had a lot of hair, for the record. Yes, he still has a great healthy head of hair. But it's so interesting because I can remember feeling like, okay, I can feel there's something kind of like being pushed down, but I didn't realize his head was as far as it was. And at one point, I think like 30 minutes into me pushing, they were like, we really need you to push. We really need you to push. They said, the doctor said, give me your hand. And she took my hand and she had me touch the top of top of his head at the opening of my vagina. And it was like such a like, I can still remember that feeling. It was like such a weird, surreal, like, oh my God, that's his head. And in the meanwhile, I'm having, uh, you know, all these type of thoughts. Well, at one point they said that his heart rate was dropping. Yeah, that was the scariest moment. Um, I, I like I explained it to Brooke later and because she's like in labor, it's hard, heavy duty. The doctor gave the sign and there was this four or five other people came in uh, to the room and they're prepping another, like, you know, the, the baby incubation thing and the right, left hand side. And I'm just like, okay, uh, we were for five people and now we are 12, 13 people. And uh, what's happening? It wasn't 12 or 13. It was, it, there, were, there were eight people, eight people in total. Okay. I will recount it. Uh, it felt like 12, 13 for me, but hey, I was in the heat of the moment. Anyway, 
I asked what's happening and they said, the baby is a little bit in stress. His heart rate is dropping. We brought the second crew just in case uh, that we need to do something extra. And I'm just like, baby, push. push yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then also at this point, they're literally telling me, they're saying like, push. Like They kept saying, don't hold back. Like, don't hold anything back. And I was like, do you think I'm like holding anything back? Like, do you think that I'm like giving you 25% when I could give 100? Like, you're giving your absolute all. Like, you're like pushing yourself to the limit. And then at some point, my whole body started shaking. Like, everything was shaking. Now, I have to interject here for a second. I consider myself a feminist. But after seeing, witnessing labor, if you're not all for women, I don't know what you're up for, like literally. Uh, it was such a out of this world effort that you're witnessing. Yeah. Uh, literally every part of Brooke was shaking. And it was like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's almost like a portal from some place and it's shaking to bring something. It's just like in movies, but like, it's a human portal. It's, uh, it, was, it was really, really, really crazy. Yes, it was very intense. And then they say what comes is the magic push, which is like the final push. And that's really getting the shoulders out. Because the head is one thing, but then getting the shoulders and the rest of it. And it's like, once you do this one final push, the baby comes out. And I remember they like took him out and he was like covered in like blood and like a little bit of, I think they call it vernix, that white stuff. But I saw him and he was so perfect. And I just remember feeling so happy and so relieved. Oh, I, I hear him waking up from his nap a little Ma, bit. Mavi is wanting to join us. I think he has few thoughts he wants to <laughs> add to yeah. our storyline. Give me a second. Yeah, bring it. Bring him over to the mic, guys. We have him in his little little Moses basket by my podcast setup. Okay, we've got my my son on the podcast for the first time. Mavi, do you want to say anything? Mavi, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> you guys should see him right now. He's just like, mm. oh, you know what? I didn't explain why we named him Mavi. Do you want to give some background? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to do so. So we start formally dating around San Valentine's Day, February, but it was a long distance thing. She was in uh, London. I'm, I'm in New York. We managed to uh, survive a long distance relationship until summer. And in summer, things are going well. And I basically invite her to come to Turkey uh, to meet with my family. And have a little boat trip and, um, you know, agency from... Here's his audio. Uh... Nope, it's not your part yet. You were not even a <laughs> vitamin in my orange yet. But <laughs> I'm providing your point of view. Anyway, we had this uh, fantastic trip uh, in Turkey with my father's boat. And we, in Turkey, call that trip. What we do is Blue Voyage. You basically take the boat for a week and go from different parts of aging from island to island and you see all these different colors of blue yes exactly the agency basically is like the most magical color of blue so we were thinking about names and we wanted to have a turkish name and blue in turkish is mavi and i love the way that mavi sounded and i love the name blue shout out to beyonce and we thought okay mavi is such a cool name for a little baby boy it could be a cool name for a baby girl too and it's not a very common name in Turkey uh, either. So we want it to be unique and it's an easy word to repeat both in uh, English, English and, and Turkish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So as Mavi's coming down, there's slight panic. I had no idea what was going on. 
and I push and then I see him. And I actually, I didn't, I didn't like cry. I just felt really happy and relieved. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. I'm so happy that he's here and he's healthy and everything's good. And I remember they took him and they weighed him. And I remember just looking over at you guys and you gave him your little pinky and he like wrapped his arm not his arm, his, he wrapped his hand around your pinky. And it was like such a sweet moment. I remember looking at both of you and feeling like, oh my God, I'm so happy. So babe, how did it feel in that first moment, like just meeting your son? Well, first of all, as a dad, as much as you get yourself ready nine months as well, you, you don't really have the neural link that the mother has. You're not feeling it like sometimes maybe the kicks here and there, but it's not real until you are actually able to touch and you're there in the moment. Mm -hmm. So the first time he touched me and looked at me, I don't know if it was a cohesive look or not, but at that point you think it is, uh, you know, it was magic. It's just like, oh my God, like, I know. this is like a fruit of our love, product of our relationship. Yes. It was magic. And you cried. Of course, it's impossible not to cry. Like, <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, so he he was officially born at 6.04 p.m., healthy, happy. I breastfed immediately. That was very surreal to me. Like when they handed him to me and then immediately he breastfed, I was like, how, does, how do we know? How do we know how to do this? Like we're just like in it. And even now more surreal now that I'm five weeks into breastfeeding and know that sometimes it takes a while to get that latch. It was like very amazing how we just fit together like these two puzzle pieces and then we went tr we transferred to our other room and it was like that first night just he was wrapped up in his little hospital blanket and it was like wow we're parents now yeah like and every time he makes a noise or turns and stuff like that we immediately call the nurse as well because we we're in panic <laughs> yeah. a little bit but also like you know uh, we always catch each other's eyes and it's just like, yeah, well, this is happening. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually just thinking back to how little we knew at the beginning. Like yeah. the, the nurse had to teach me how to change a diet, like to put on a diaper. I didn't know. Yeah. So the nurses were amazing. I loved our room. Surprisingly great food at the hospital. Like I had rack of lamb one day, like it, it's it was maybe great, not rack of lamb, great, lamb chops. Great, great food. It's like uh, business flight quality food. It's like, you know, very well taught, presented comes like like room service you call it on the phone and tell what you want i'll bring it they don't have alcohol but hey that's all right <laughs> yes um but the whole thing has been amazing and then i guess before we go what has it been like in your opinion like just being parents like what's it like seeing me as a mom like for me it feels very surreal that i'm a mom now i'm like you know blown away every day watching you become a mom every second of it like so once, if you have baby, you know, like there is the, the feed in the middle of the night, uh, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever the baby eat. And there you have options. You can give formula, you can give bottle. Brooke is so passionate, like doesn't even allow me to give bottle most uh, often, even if it's the breast milk she pumped, because feeding from the breast is apparently better for the baby. So and just while we're on the topic of breastfeeding and formula, I just want to say that it's something that's just fraught with a lot of judgment and tension and debate. And I think formula is fine. Like it's, I mean, it's also not for me to tell you what's fine or not fine. It's a very personal decision. 
But I know that when you become a mom, there's like this whole chorus of people that basically tell you or make you feel as if if you're not breastfeeding, you're doing like this huge disservice to your child. And when Mavi was like around three weeks, four weeks as he was getting bigger, there were times when I couldn't produce enough milk. So I had to buy formula because he was losing too much weight. And I gave him like two ounces of formula and like just that small amount. I remember feeling so guilty and like I was failing somehow and it was just overly emotional for no reason. And so when, when Umut says that I, you know, want to breastfeed, it is true. It's something that I want to do, but I have no judgment for mothers figuring out how to feed their baby in a way that is sustainable and makes them happy and the baby happy and just do it your way. Because I think that there's unnecessary amount of judgment around breastfeeding. Any second she can, she's doing it as like, you know, I'm, I'm blown away watching you actually, you know, um, becoming an adult. Baby, <laughs> stop. That was shade from my older husband. I, I am an adult. Yes, you are now. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, that was almost like a very nice compliment until the end. <laughs> so that's fine. Let's keep it, keep it very real. I've been blown away by you. You've been an amazing dad. I love the way that you comfort Mavi. You guys have your own little language together. I love how you put him over your shoulder and walk around with him. I love how you play music for him. I love to watch you bottle feed him. I think that you guys bond all the time. And I also, I have to say two things. One, postpartum, your body doesn't immediately, like you give birth and you still look five months pregnant. Like, I remember that first night in the hospital, I like looked in the mirror and I was like, so the baby's out, but like, this is... But, but, but that experience, once again, watching the labor, like, you know, the human body needs to bulk up. It's almost like you're going to a fight and it's like a different weight class and you had to build the, the body mass to be yes. able to pull it off. Yes. And but even even my weight gain aside, this the uterus takes a while to shrink back to its normal size. And I think that I guess you would there's nothing you don't know because no one talks about postpartum, but your body, it's not like you give birth and your stomach's flat. I still have a tummy five weeks later, but I think you've been so amazing at telling me all the time, like you're gorgeous. Like you'll always be like, you're gorgeous. You look so stunning. Even if it's a lie, you tell me all the time. First of all, it's not a lie. It's never a lie. Objectively, as a mom, I think you're glowing. So you often start dating with someone for the looks. You're attracted to that person. Then you would get to know that person. And if things work out for you guys, you fall in love, you get married. Uh, now, this might not be true for everyone, but uh, having a baby is, in my opinion, is like uh, love version 2.0. It's a higher state of love. Uh, you know, um, looks are probably still important, but that few pounds that might you might have or not becomes very invisible because you look at that person as the uh, creator of a being that you love more than yourself. But I, I, I hate the term snapback. I hate everything about this idea that you give birth and then you're supposed to be back at your pre-pregnancy weight and in tight little clothes. Like, it's just insane to me. You gave birth, you're nurturing a child, you're breastfeeding, you're, even if you're not breastfeeding, you're taking care of a newborn baby. And the idea that you should somehow have this like societal pressure that you should look a certain way after giving birth, I think is absolutely ridiculous. And I just love that you've been so supportive and tell me all the time that I look great. 
because it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes not being able to fit into my old clothes or like looking at my stomach and thinking like, look, for, let, let, look let, let's start with the baby. I genuinely believe baby is a product of love. Like, you know, you first fall in love with someone and then you bring this life form to the world. And it's almost like love 2.0. Uh, it is a different type of love. It's a higher state of love. And I don't know, like everyone is for themselves, obviously, but I am more attracted to you than ever before and more in love with you than ever before, you know. That's sweet. In terms of just postpartum care, I found that nipple cream has been really essential for breastfeeding. Um, I've used nipple cream from Earth Mama, from Bodily is another company, and it really does help to soothe sore nipples. I think also you have to kind of figure out your latching technique, which is, oh, bless you, Mavi. This one sneeze. Okay. The other thing that helps a lot are those like these iced pads that you basically wear also from Frida. Those have been really great. But one of the things people told me before I gave birth, they were like, you're not going to have time to shower. You're not going to have time for yourself. Like kiss your skincare routine goodbye. Like I still very proudly do my full skincare routine every night. The serums, the essences, the cleanser, the moisturizer. I do a face mask in the shower. And one of the things that I love, my mom's been helping a lot as a night nurse. Once Mavi was born, she came and she was like, okay, I'm going to be a night nurse. She goes by Mimi, not grandma. So she's like, Mimi's here. She's going to take over. But both when my mom is here and when Umut's here and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go shower. They both, both of you guys say this. You guys say, take your time. I'll say, I'll, I'll go have a quick shower. And they're like, no, 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 don't have a quick shower. Take your time. Take a long shower. Mavi uh, emphasize here that he doesn't like the long shower part, but that's okay. But yeah, you guys will both say, take a long shower, like enjoy yourself. And so I'm like in there doing like body scrubs. I'm like oiling myself down. And it's great. Like I think the other thing that I try to do is I get my special gel manicure and I'm doing all of my nails blue since Mavi's been born. So I had my blue manicure for when I delivered. I got a French manicure with like a light blue with these um, like crystal rhinestones on them. Now I have an electric blue French manicure going. I go to like my specialty nail shop downtown and I get my gel manicure. And that's like one little thing that I do for myself. I think it's really important to not lose yourself in the process. Like you're still you, you're just you with a child. So beauty is still a big part of my day. I have a lot of thoughts about this. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is, oh God, I'm nervous. The diaper cream? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's talk about Mavi's self-care. He gets diaper cream put on his little butt in between every diaper change. We love bath time. He has his own... Mice. He, he has all Dr. Sturm products, by the way. Dr. Sturm sent me a full kit of... I think it's called Mini Molecular, like skincare for babies. I looked up the retail price and I was like, oh my gosh, Mavi, like your moisturizer is legitimately more expensive than some moisturizers I have. Like he's got a full, full skincare kit. Um, and also the other um, baby company that I use for him, like for his um, like uh, soap is grow to, which is the go-to skincare founder, Zoe. She made this line for babies, grow to. That's really cute as well. So Mavi has this little self-care routine. And as he gets older, we'll, you know, we'll get into skincare together and hair care. But I just like, I love having this cute little boy to take care of all the time. And, and I'm learning so much about myself. 
I'm learning so much about you, Umut. And, you know, we're just like learning how to be a family. Now, being a new parent is not necessarily always easy because you are learning how to be a parent. You're learning the new routine, especially the late night uh, feed can uh, get difficult. For example, Mavi, the other night, uh, I wake him up at three to feed at, until 5 a.m. Uh, we partied together. He didn't want to stop, uh, cried uh, and like, you know, eyes are open. But as I mentioned to you earlier, I guess it's uh, once again, the, the higher state of love. Mavi gives me one look and like gives me a sliver of a smile Then that two hours that I was suffering, uh, you know, late at night, tired, trying to put him into sleep, just just disappears. It's just like, you know, one touch, one look makes that difficult uh, or seemingly difficult uh, moments and seconds go past so quickly. And you just like wake up and want to, okay, I want to have him on my arms. I didn't have him on my arms just yet. I think uh, having a baby is pretty much like falling in love uh, again. And it's, it's, it's a little different because it's a piece of the person you already were in love. If you love yourself a little bit as well, like, you know, that you have a little bit of that in that baby. So it's like, you know, uh, once again, the love version 2.0, a higher state of love. So... Thank you guys for listening to us and our story. And thank you for also being patient um, with the podcast and me just adjusting to my new pace of recording. I'm going to be going on a little bit of a break. I'll be coming back though, better than ever. But yeah, just really enjoying this time as a new mom. And thank you to everyone for just like supporting me, all of the very kind words of encouragement and support and love and I just feel really grateful and and happy and I'm enjoying this chapter. Thank you for having me as well. The first time I was on the show was pandemic. Second time I'm on the show is the baby. You were no, weren't you on it a third a, another other time? I'm just hopeful next time I'm here it's not the UFOs. Okay guys, I was all ready to end this episode, but we are in Sag Harbor and my mom is here and I just wanted to get her thoughts on what it's been like since Mavi's arrived. As I mentioned earlier, she's been helping out as a night nurse and just very involved. So mom, I wanted to get your thoughts. So how has it been with the arrival of your very first grandson? I, I think I'm at a loss for words. It's such a joy to see him develop. And I think that the best part has been watching you as a mom with Mavi. You're so loving and patient and your instincts are just perfect. You always know what he needs. And so I certainly look to you for answers when I'm struggling with what to do. And I think most people have it wrong. They say, oh, being a grandparent is the best thing because you get to give them back at the end of the day. But that's the saddest part for me is when I have to give him back. And I, I hear him in the background now, but it's uh, it's beautiful and he is beautiful. And I think that you learn how precious life is when you see it through the eyes of any baby, let alone your own grandchild. Okay, mom, we also talked about labor and delivery and what it was like when we found out and what that was like for us. You were outside of Lenox Hill Hospital. What was it like for you when you found out? Okay, this can be like a no judgment thing. Your father and I were having dinner at an outdoor cafe in the city um, about, we strategically, I strategically chose 
to be like no more than two blocks away from Lenox Hill Hospital because I knew that you were in labor. And all Amut did was the phone rang. It was a FaceTime of just Mavi and I lost it. I cried so loud and so hard that everyone in the restaurant turned around and said, is she okay? Is she okay? And your father was just looking across me, holding my hand, just smiling. He, she's okay. She's okay. She's a new grandmother. And everyone was, oh, that's so beautiful. And they, they clapped. And I think it was like 15 minutes to six or seven, which was visiting hours being over. Not that I was even allowed to have visiting hours, but it was 15 minutes and I looked at my watch and I said, Greg, babe, I got to go. I got to go. He's like, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I'm going to the hospital. And I take off like running down the streets of New York to get to Lenox Hill because I think I can make these three blocks in 15 minutes. And then I look at my watch and I say, okay, it's more than three blocks and I don't have 15 minutes. So I hailed, I literally like get in front of a cab and wave him down and he's going in the opposite direction, a one-way street down, I think, Lexington. I say, can you please get me to Lenox Hill Hospital? I'm crying. I'm crying. He's like, are you okay? Okay. I was like, I can't even like get the words to tell him that I'm okay. I'm, my daughter's just delivered. So I, I said, I'm going. My daughter just delivered. He says, oh, we got to get you there. And it was almost like he put a siren on top of the taxi and he just wove through traffic and like got out of congestion and got me there. Then I'm outside of Lenox Hill and they're like, oh, visiting hours almost up. It's like, but my daughter just delivered. Please, can I go in? So the taxi driver gets me to Lenox Hill about maybe seven minutes before the hour where visiting hours close. And I I say to the uh, the person checking you in, I can't even, I was like, I'm here. My daughter just had a baby. I'd like to, they're like, visiting hours are almost over. I said, I know, but I just want to go up. And I know that I'm not supposed to be there. I know that I can't see you. And, and this, they take me to another counter and this nice guy, oh my God, he was wonderful. He said, you know what? She's still in the delivery room. You can't go up. He said, but I'm going to go up and I'm going to take my phone. I'm going to give it to a nurse and you can talk to her. And I sat there babbling in the, in the lobby um, and he came down with the phone and you were so calm. You're like, I'm going to call you on Umut's phone. I said, okay, okay. So this will be a great story for Mavi to hear when he's older. Hopefully he listens to this podcast. I will say on my end, being a mom has given me more appreciation for you. And what all mothers go through raising a baby, it's just so much work all the time. And I don't think you realize that until you have a kid. So when I think about him growing up and like not knowing all the stuff that I did, it'll be tough, but then he'll have his own kids and he'll realize and he'll understand. So the cycle continues. Mothers are like martyrs and it's like, after all I've done for you. And, but you know, it's, we do it out of love and we, it's, it's nothing else because they show up in the world needing only you. And um, that's the beautiful thing as I watch you nursing him now and he's content. He's content. It's all right. All is right with the world. You're a great mom, Brooke. Thank you. All right, guys. Yes, as my mom mentioned, I am breastfeeding as we're recording this in between little, little tiny fussy periods. So thank you so much for listening and sending lots of love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.